Welcome to Supply Chain Briefs, the podcast that discusses the challenges, innovations, and critical issues of today's global supply chains. I'm your host, Joseph Moretta, and thank you for joining us. Today's episode will be brought to us by a guest host, fellow board member, Ron Tabitis, as he speaks with our special guest, Philip Brown, on the Shinnecock Indian Housing Development Project Initiative, Create Local and Make Local. So without further ado, I will pass things over to Ron. Ron? Thanks, Joe. Uh, Great show. Thank you for inviting us here tonight. Um, You know, um, Association for Supply Chain Managers is an incredibly great organization. It's part of the operations world. I'm I'm a not only live in the operations world for all the years, as, I, as uh, many of you know, looking at my, my, my bio, uh, but supply chain is a huge, huge component of the operations world because without materials and services delivered on time, meeting spec, uh, in accordance with the contract requirements, we have nothing. But that, what I'm here tonight is to introduce a very, very uh, close associate uh, that I'm very proud to be associated with. Uh, his name is Mr. Philip Brown, and uh, Phil and I met a few years ago um, coming out of a, a, a project that we did with uh, Eastern Suffolk BOCES here on Long Island about introducing technology uh, to uh, two young people, older people, doesn't matter. It was in our adult education, inter- introducing new technologies that, for the most part, we, we created here in our backyard. Really, really important program. Uh, Phil is an amazing guy. Phil is the champion of this program at Shinnecock Indian uh, Nation. Uh, Phil has had well over 30 years of experience in the building industry. Uh, so he knows, uh, he knows what it takes to build a great house. He knows what it takes to build a great community. He knows what it takes to, 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 to help people, right? Because, he's, because part of leadership today is empathy. And I think if there's anybody I've ever met in all my life that displayed uh, a, a pure sense of empathy and caring for the people in his nation, it's Mr. Phil Brown. So without going into any further uh, description of Mr. Phil Brown, I like to have Phil say a couple of words, and then I'm going to have the great pleasure of interviewing Mr. Phil Brown about this exciting, exciting local project uh, that's really helping not only the, the nation, its people, but our entire region. Phil, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank, thank you, Ron. I appreciate that. Um, you make me sound like Santa Claus there, but you know, well, you kind of look a little bit like Santa Claus there with that <laughs> trying beard. To get you, know, you didn't have it in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to thank you and uh, ASCM for having uh, me here today. Homelessness is a serious issue in, in any um, place that it's located. On our Chinnicock Reservation, it just so happens to be um, hidden. You don't see it as much. So um, when people talk about homelessness here, it, they're talking about people sleeping on other people's couches, or they might see them sleeping in a car. And that is something that, you know, with this CARES Act funding that came in was a problem that we could address and we could uh, find a solution for here on our reservation. So um, that's what we're doing now here with these hunter shelters. We put them to use in a um, homeless housing, uh, uh, homeless housing um, program. And um you know, hopefully the way that we have structured this program and the way that um, we will um, allow this to grow, it will help not only our nation, but any community that it's, that it goes into. 
So, but um, I really thank you for having me here. And um, I definitely put in my 30 years to, to, of knowledge to work on this project, so. Yeah, good. yeah, you know, Phil, this is a great opportunity that ASCM has provided to the Shinnecock Indian Nation as well, because you need to tell your story, because if you don't tell your story, nobody's gonna know. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's exactly what we're doing. But, you know, I know this project well. Um, a lot of some people on this uh, podcast know this project well. But how do, Phil, people that don't know this project well and, you know, maybe read, did, read the blog that we put out or didn't, what is the Shinnecog uh, housing project, which we now know as the homeless transitional housing development? What is it? Well, we brought back in October, we did a press release and Newsday did a video of it. So I'd like to lead off with that so people can actually see what we're talking about here. That's a great idea. You know, a picture's worth a thousand words. Um, Bernita, if you can uh, fire that up and let's take a few minutes and just watch. Here's a question I've always had for you. What motivated you to move forward with this initiative? Well, <clears throat> at the onset of COVID-19, um, we noticed a large number of homeless tribal members using tribal buildings for sleeping, um, sleeping in cars. Um, and they would, they, we had a mandate um, that they couldn't come into the buildings, but because this homeless population didn't have any, any real amenities, bathroom amenities or cooking amenities, um, they kept coming into the um, tribal buildings. So in response to the nation's need to prevent, prepare for and respond to the spread of the COVID-19 virus among the homeless population, the Council of Trustees led by Councilman Dan Collins and myself uh, created a plan to develop and construct a six building um, homeless transitional housing development to help our, to help our homeless population. You know, that, that in itself, uh, given the environment and the you know, when this program kicked off, which was really in the midst of the pandemic, had to be, it was clearly, from my perspective, a massive supply chain initiative. But, you know, to give the people kind of the scale of the project, the terms, the space, the funding, the commitment required, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, first of all, the Council of Trustees gave us a one-acre site for the uh, homeless transitional housing development. Mm -hmm. The site is it's located out in the back of our powwow ground overflow parking lot. So it was a good site with access. Um, we had to bring in two new electric poles um, with a transformer to the site to power the, to power the uh, facility. We put in a new 700 asphalt, asphalt road and a 10 acre, um, I mean a 10 space asphalt parking lot. So, um, that was all done through, uh, we had surveyors come in, survey the land. We had an architect do the site plans. Um, after the, the surveyor came in and laid out our um, development where, where mm -hmm. the homes would go, we started construction of the hunter, shelf for, hunter shelters. They were all paid for by CARES Act funding. Um, our septic plans and water lines um, from those, we then next set up our uh, sewage treatment system, which um, you know is a treatment system so that it reduces the nitrogen that leaches back into the uh, it, it might we reduces the nitrogen that might go back into the water table, and um, 
Then the individual water lines to the houses had to be installed. After that, um, we needed our actual water line from Suffolk County water to be done. So Suffolk County water came in and installed a new eight inch water main, um, which basically it helped our whole water system on the reservation because we're connected to a dead end it was now a full flowing water system. So it helped um, in, in, increase the water quality of our whole system by putting in this new water line. Then we had the electric service um, connection. We had to put up the actual service that was gonna uh, electrify the, the, the buildings. So that that is done. And then now we're just waiting for LIPA to come and inspect that and then turn on the uh, actual um, housing development. But all the water um, components to this, Indian Health Services paid for that. They, they were the ones that paid for that. So federal funding paid for um, both the construction of the homes and um, the infrastructure. That, that's amazing, Phil. To me, it sounds like you're building a, a, a small community, a small city. And, and, and what an what a opportunity for someone who's moved in. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention was you moved into the position of housing director uh, in 2019. And again, it was like right before, you know, this, everything in this world that we knew of it back then changed. Uh, you you you've done such an amazing job to bring together a nation in order and you've now uh, and you undertook uh, an effort that I that it, it to, to me at this point from a supply chain perspective is 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 amazing so on that on that point and I really do believe that a strong procurement operation is absolutely critical, right? And decisions on the procurement side in order to have a successful project. Can, can you tell us a little bit, because you've, you've had success here, and I think we should learn from your success. Can you tell us about the selection process? Can you tell us about the evaluation of the Hunter Shelters product and, and how and why you selected that for the nation's first community okay. in this fashion? Yep. No, first, we wanted a housing solution that would be adequate in both space and functionality. It needed to be a real house with all the amenities. You know, Ron, the kind of you can kick back, kick your feet up and say, I'm, I'm home. It's, wait, it's wait, 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 don't get too, wait, wait, don't get too comfortable, <laughs> all right? You know, it, it had to be easy to install and take away, affordable, energy efficient, strong, and look like a welcoming home. Um, the structure also needed to be sustainable you know, when we wanted to have a significant carbon reduction footprint in which most uh, lumber intensive building projects um, require that type of uh, uh, a huge amount of lumber. And this is a serious concern. Besides COVID impacts, the lumber industry is being impacted by climate change, causing their massive uh, swarms of beetles destroying massive uh, areas of pine uh, in key North American regions. Uh, due to unusually mild winters and dry summers. So the hunter shelters use about half the lumber of normal stick frame housings, uh, houses. The hunter shelter fit, fits all of our criteria and it allows us the opportunity to teach this innovative structural SIP panel building system to tribal members that will also work with the union um, to install them in any future building projects. So um, this is a... Uh, it's something that um, it first caught our attention and is really um, 
really started fitting the bill. But we did look at other housing options. We looked That's at what sheds. I was ask. Yeah, yeah we, we looked at sheds. Um, but because of all the framing and, and all the electrical work and plumbing and everything that had to be installed, which already comes um, assembled in the hunter shelters, that wasn't a great option. Um, another zip panel building system, we looked at that. Um, it, it required almost the same type of finish, finishing on the inside as the stick building um, homes. We looked at container units, but we wanted our housing to look like homes and not trailers. So um, we wanted mm -hmm. to have an easy removable structures in case, you know, we wanted to transport these structures to other places. You know, all any, any and all other aspects of our um, uh, work was done by RFP, the um, sewage treatment systems, any of the um, electrical work. We did that through an RFP process um, through our procurement office, with the exception of PSENG, um, which brought the polls, which they automatically, you know, they, for any new customers, they'll bring pro polls to your site. And Suffolk County Water Authority, which, um, you know, they're in charge of all of Suffolk County's water lines. So those are the only two we didn't have to go through a procurement process um, for. Um, wow. Yeah. So you, but you but, but one, one other thing, Ron, sorry, you know, we selected vendors based off of their responsiveness to us, you know, how, how responsiveness, their expertise, you know, how, how many have these done? Are they really good at what they do? And then cost, you know, then, you know, uh, but then we put the cost in there. So you, you, you put, you put support, customer support at very high up on the pecking order. Oh, very much, very much so. Yes. Yeah. 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 You have and to be responsive. That 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 means a lot, and it's obviously the quality of the product and the and the support behind that product, which is important. Yeah, I could see that. You know, Phil, there's been so much challenge. So I, I keep on talking about it. You you took on the job right before the start of the pandemic. You know, you had you know a, a homeless situation in the in in the nation, and and it was uh, not as visible, like you said earlier, because. You know, people in the nation don't let people sit on the sleep in the woods or on the street. They bring them into their homes, and with right. COVID and the spread of it, and 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 just you know, it allowed the the disease to spread even more rampant in in that type of an environment. But you've had so many challenges. You've had so many so many barriers that needed to be break down. Can you give us an idea of? you know, how you brought all the parties together, created a holistic type system, because I hear you, I hear you talking about a lot of things here. Not only we have supply chain, not only we have innovation that we're reducing the, 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 the lumber content due to, that have, have been brought upon by the, obviously the labor shortages and the shut and the lockdowns, but now also with climate change impacting that. I hear all the things you're saying, but how did you break these barriers down? How did you bring the team together? And how did you ultimately get everybody on the same page? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great uh, question, Ron. And, you know, if we're talking barriers here, I think the most important uh, one here is thinking. When you have so many smart people with so many good ideas, the barrier to break is how to figure out how they all integrate and work together to make a project work and let each individual company, organization, institution shine while doing their part. Because everyone wants to feel, you know, wants to be appreciated for, for their, their work that they put in. And if they're working hard and, and, and uh, going for excellence, then that is 
you know what what shines through in their work. Um, so you got you have to be able to you know, make sure no egos get involved or um, make sure that ideas that are brought up that might not seem um, mainstream aren't just kicked to the side because somewhere in in the plan it has a place. The second barrier was funding. COVID nineteen. Um, was both a blessing and a curse. While it took many lives from us, um, it gave tribes millions of dollars to do projects that without this funding might not might have taken years to do. You know, so um, years I, of I ever, think, yeah, years of ever. You know, you know, Phil. And again, one of the one of the piece when I talked about climate change, I know the Native American culture is is feels fully responsible for for mother earth right for the for the for the protection of the environment you know the earth that we live in and i'm really 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 proud of that from the perspective of of, of working with you that so I, I i have to really just bring that up in in this interview um okay so let's let's take it back for a second to what i've spent my last 35 years on dealing with the supply chain Right. And we've had tremendous supply chain disruptions over the last two years. Right. And those supply chain disruptions continue. We, you mentioned uh, impacts not only because of pandemics, but because of climate change, et cetera. But you dealt directly face on train coming at you, some major supply chain disruptions over the construction or the build of this community. Can you talk a little bit about that and the mitigation actions that you work with your supply chain in order to get this system built where it is today? Yeah. And Ron, I appreciate your thoughts about, um, you know, um, the thoughts on, on protecting Mother Earth. We only have one Earth and um, the way that everything is moving if we don't take the time to make sure that uh, you know, we are doing our part, um, then, then, then we won't have a place to live. So um, we signed our contract with Dynamic Supplier Alignment, um, who is the exclusive distributor of the Hunter Shelters in May. Um, Mr. Hunter did the building of the structures. He gave us an 11 week period for this project to take place. That was from manufacturing of the homes in his, in his uh, facility to completion of construction in, in the homes. That means delivery to the site and being built. And, and then the little bit of work that needed to take place when they were on site. It just so happened at this time that lumber became very scarce, um, which means you know people weren't allowed to work anymore. So they weren't going to the lumber mills to produce uh, lumber. The, so two to 300% increases were not unusual when you went to, to pick up your new purchases. Mr. Hunter, you know, not wanting to change the cost of the shelters to the nation, um, we overcame this barrier by kind of delaying the manufacturing process for a while. And he picked up piecemeal batches of wood where he, you know, where he could that would fit into his particular uh, uh, scenario. Um, because a local source still had some stock um, pile of plywood at a reasonable cost, he purchased it, even though the size he needed, even though this, the size he bought was a eighth of an inch thicker than what he normally would have used, which threw off his tolerances, which at that point he had to recut um, the different manufacturing, um, dif different forms and everything, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, make sure that, you know, everything fit correctly to his plan. Um, Another delay, we, you know, that was a big delay, just having to wait for the manufacturing process there. 
Another delay we experienced was getting the foam installation Mr. Honey used for the zip panels. Now, this, hmm. this particular, uh, we overcame that by we used our, leveraged our government status and homeless uh, project and sent a letter to BSF, BS, BASF um, to get in, an insulation order expedited to Hunter Insulation for priority delivery. Um, these material shortfalls delayed the project, but with the ingenuity and creative designs um, that we took to, to get the resources we needed, it allowed the almost transitional housing development to proceed within budget and acceptable timeframes. So, um, yeah, I, you know, you gotta be creative, creative sometimes. You have to be creative, and, and and you guys certainly did because you didn't have that much of an impact. I, I, you know, I read articles every day from the construction industry where house builders are walking away from contracts because they certain they either can't get the material, they don't want to build the product without getting an increase in price, and there's it's just a breakdown. And you were able to hold it together, and that's a mass that that in itself is a is a significant su supply chain achievement because it comes down to like you said relationships. And yeah, it went from basically eleven months to, I mean, 11 weeks to four months. So it was, you know, it was, it was lengthened out by two and, you know, two and a quarter months, which is not that bad. Not that bad. You did a great job. Let, yeah. So with that, and being that the logistics chain is another component of supply chain. So you, we, you obviously experienced national national challenges, possibly global challenges, getting material, you know, to the site. But what about even locally? So how, how did you deal and how does the, the current configuration and the operation of the way these, these structures are, are, are built, how did any of that contribute to any of the disruptions and how did you deal with it? Well, um, nationally, we counted three logistic problems. The first was the scarcity of wood for construction. Mm -hmm. Second was the scarcity of foam insulation for the zip panels. And third was the shortage of inventory for the furniture um, of the hunter shelters. You know, I, I basically talked about um, the, the wood, how we overcame that and the insulation. So, um, you know, I wanted like to talk about Bob's Discount Furniture. It was an extreme pleasure to work with. You know, they donated $10,000 worth of furniture um, wow. for the five shelters. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, we have to really, that was really great. Um, when we first looked at the hunter shelters, we had another large furniture company in mind, but because they were very unresponsive and just didn't seem interested, um, we reached out to another more local company that was closer to us than, than this particular company was. And um, they came to the table excited, responsive to our plans, and they were overjoyed to work with us. Bob has shown so much interest in supplying all the furniture needs for the hunter shelters um, that they're also interested in taking their furniture into any place the hunter shelter goes. So um, just by simply reaching out to another vendor, um, we were able to then uh, connect with a source that was even better for us and worked out better. So, so um, on that, and to kind of segue into another question I had, can you walk us through, you know, risk, 
risk is a risk assessment is a huge, huge component again of procurement and supply chain management. We need to know those risks in front before they as they before they turn into problems, right? Can you walk us through some of the risk abatement, the risk assessment, and the mitigation actions that took place during this build in order to uh, prevent? more disruption or more dis delay because risk is a very important component of supply chain management. Right. And and the risk, you know, for us in the procurement, um, with our procurement, we didn't, we passed our risk on to the vendors because we didn't buy many materials ourselves. Um, the vendors brought all the materials that we use. So risk assessment for us was made, was done by through the inspection processes that take place for any of these uh, expertise or their licensing or their engineering that goes into these structures. Uh, the Hunter Shelter, you know, they were designed by licensed architects um, and engineers, and they were built with licensed and insured contractors. Mr. Hunter also has a five-year warranty on these particular shelters. Um, the roads and parking lot were done with on-site inspections. We had a um, town, uh, towns, uh, plans of what roads the town uses for their for their roads, what, what the plan would look like for them. And we had Rosemar construct them to those exact uh, town plans. And we stayed on site and observed to make sure that they did what they were supposed to do to the scope of work that we required. required. Um, the septic system and water lines, um, they were designed by a engineer. The engineer was on site when they were given then given to a licensed um, experienced uh, installer. And that particular installer had the engineer on site to come and check to make sure everything was where he located at by plan. Plus the IHS, um, the Indian Health Services, they oversee all septic and water lines um, that we pay for. Mm -hmm. um, Suffolk County Water Authority, they had a inspector on site the whole time who took pictures and checked the different torque of the screws that were even put in the valves um, while the construction of the, the 1500 um, inch waterline main was going on. So um, they had an, they kept an inspector on site the whole time. Um, with the electric going in, um, an independent electric service has to come and check your service, the initial service that's put in. And then your, uh, the, then LIPA comes out, they do an inspection and then they hook you up to the grid. So all of the materials that were used in this were checked by inspectors or specified by engineers and they were installed by um, licensed professionals. So wow. our, our, with that, we were able to risk, eliminate a lot of the risk um, that went into our materials because they were already, already inspected and, and, and uh, approved. Wow, that's, that's, that's really impressive. And, I, and, and, and the results show. Right. Yeah. We don't mm -hmm. take any shortcuts. When we get the job done the right way the first time, the results do show. And and I could tell you, uh, you know that you know just visually, we know we we have a good sound community that you're building. So a lot of the a lot of the things that have come out of your mouth had and, and 
really, really local ties, right? You know, I'm a big proponent of create local, make local, right? Right. These great innovations. We're going to do them in our labs, Stony Brook University, Brookhaven Lab, Cold Spring Harbor. They're all in our backyards. And a tremendous amount of technology is being developed in these environments. Well, now we need to be able to pull those technologies out and then ultimately figure out ways to manufacture them, right? Hunter right. Shaw was fabricated, was designed in Riverhead. Can you tell me a little bit about your motivation? What drove you to doing this kind of local initiative? Well, the motivation to buy this locally manufactured product came from an Eastern Suffolk BOCES carpenter training program in which a tribal member of ours was exposed to the Hunter Shelter building system. He then introduced that system um, to the leadership of the nation. So when we started looking at the homeless housing solution, tribal leadership was already familiar with the building system and, uh, and the distributor, because they had met him and his creator, Mr. Hunter. This shortened the learning curve um, you know, of making this one of the approved system that we would use at scale. Um, by us implementing this system at mm -hmm. scale here, it allowed us to have our homes constructed without any demand delays since it was at first in the queue on Mr. Uh, Hunter's production line. And um, it put us in a position position to be a major distributor of the Hunter Shelter because with that, we had the opportunity then to then be able to distribute these along with DSA um, out in to the, to the local community, to Native American tribes, um, to other, uh, other people that might be interested in, in it that we knew. But buying local, we didn't need to pay, you know, the high shipping cost to have the Hunter Shelter shipped from Riverhead to Southampton. And it gave us the opportunity to create local jobs, you know, um, both in manufacturing, construction, and when we get this um, particular development up and going, we're going to have renewable energy um, components to it as well. So create jobs in the renewable energy industry as well. That is truly a holistic story. Yeah, it's it's it. That is amazing. So what connections? You know, you've been and we 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 mentioned different different entities. What connections have you developed for the tribe, for the nation, as a result of this program? Well, Mr. DSA, um, I'm working with DSA, <laughs> it has brought us working relationships with Eastern Suffolk BOCES. Um, with that particular relationship that we have, DSA, we managed to come to have all these relationships. Eastern Suffolk BOCES, Stony Brook University Department of Material Science, uh, Farmingdale Innovation and um, their Innovation and Economic Development and Sustainability wow. Energy, Northeast Regional Councils of Carpenters, Suffolk County, great relations, Suffolk County Water Authority, Bob's Discount Furniture, and, a, and just a number of different local contractors that did construction and installing of the infrastructure at the homeless transitional housing development site. So that, that, um, and, and we also had and we also had visits from members of the Suffolk County Legislature. So we've had a lot mm -hmm. of people that, and those relationships are growing. So, yeah. Phil, all right. Here, here's a here's a real here's is one of the most important questions. You've done incredible things. The, the people on the tribe are going to benefit. Uh, we're creating jobs from the standpoint of uh, local local workforce, bringing manufacturing construction. Where do you see this project going? What's your big vision? You're a, you're a big ideas guy, but you're also an on the ground guy because you're doing the execution. Well, we're going to finish this project, the develop, finish the, you know, the building out of this development, the other two hunter shelters. Um, now that all the infrastructure is installed, 
um, we can focus on that. Um, once we do that, finish the other two hunter shelters, we're gonna put up a service building and we're gonna use insulated concrete forms for that, for its strength and um, for its ability to be very strong and well insulated. That'll be a emergency management place, emergency management shelter beyond the F2 hurricane or, or um, beyond the, or, or a tornado that might come through. They can go, they can go and shelter in that place and other tribal members. Um, with that, we're gonna power the whole thing with a solar array. We're gonna have um, a hydrogen storage system. And we're gonna first compare that to a battery backup storage system. And uh, once these technologies have been integrated into the powering of the three homes, will have an effect of microgrid. And that will be enable us to be able to power the homes should the grid go down or island if we so choose. So um, we will start with a social service program. They'll be part of our um, program to help occupants once they move in. The building training for the hunter shelters will begin when the other two homes um, are constructed. Union training will begin with the constructing of the two homes. Farmingdale will provide training for the hydrogen storage system. Stony Brook will be providing the data collection and analysis for the energy systems. And tribal members will be trained in the installation of the solar array and hydrogen battery systems and will be able to be employed by the companies we work with. So that, that is that is fantastic. That's a complete business model. Okay. Yeah, and, and beyond that, beyond that, the Shinnecock Indian Nation intends to commercialize this anytime, anywhere community and promote it and promote its use starting with other Native American nations and disaster relief uh, needs as you know, needs across the country. Wow, that's it's that that is mind boggling. You know, I, we got we got supply chain professionals, I'm sure on this on this podcast. And if you had to give any advice to the audience about how the how you know what you would do and you know, what advice you could give them from a supply chain perspective and other challenges that they may experience in taking on these type type of uh, significant, probably uh, you know, impacting programs that that I don't think any of us have ever really seen before. What advice would you give them? The first thing I say is don't be afraid to think outside of the box for a solution even if it's not the norm. You know, you may find the solution you locate fits your project's desired requirements and also provides you with the opportunity that provides you with an early adapt, provides you with an early adapter product. Um, most first market companies, most first to market companies receive the greatest share of the market. So, you know, don't be afraid to be innovative and look for solutions that that others haven't that others haven't seen yet or haven't used yet. Uh, local locate other local sources that have what you want and open up a dialogue. One national company did not respond to us. Another even closer to us, more local, wants to be with us. Wants to be with the hunter shelter wherever it goes. So, you know, you have to really just don't be afraid to be innovative and. Uh, look local because the answer might be there could be right under your nose you know could so be right under your nose right under your nose right <laughs> the, the greatest solutions are right under your nose yeah just don't get them caught in your beard right 
Hey, I got a wife but, for that. All right, all right listen, <laughs> I want to I want to wrap this up a little bit because I, I know we want to get out to see if there's any questions out from the from from the audience. But you know, you've had a lot. This is like like Sadir said in the beginning. This has been some journey, and we're nowhere close to the end of this journey. You know, we got a lot. You guys got a lot to go, a lot to go on this one, but. You know, I want to give you the opportunity to recognize the people that have been with you, you know, the relationships that you develop, uh, give you this a little bit of airtime, a little free form of who would you like to recognize, because hopefully some of them are on this podcast right now. And it really means a lot, really means a lot for you to to, to have that opportunity. Yeah. And it, and it took a lot of work and effort by a lot of people. And so um, I would definitely like to thank uh, Chairman Polite and the other tribal council members for seeing the vision. Councilman Dan for the courage to undertake this project, Preston Brown for having the foresight to bring it to the tribe, Jack Hunter for his passion to help those in need and all, and all the, the different tribal departments that gave in the area of the expertise, you know, they, they helped out a lot. I'd like to thank Mr. Bay, Bill Chaliff for his tireless effort to wanna to work with the nation, Suffolk County Water Authority for their dedication to the excellence of their work in water quality, Dr. Miriam, Rafavilich for her distinguished insights in the, into the energy world, Ryan Madden for his diligence in working to educate the Shinnecock tribe on carbon reduction technologies and policies, Wayne Gutschow for all his innovative work with renewable energy technologies, the guys from Green Logic Energy for all their great solar expertise, Chris and Jane Allo for being national pioneers in the world of hydrogen, and Anthony Villa and his team for reaching out to tribal members for to participate in union tribal and employment. Barbara of Eastern Suffolk Boses, Marjorie of Farmingdale University, Dan and John for their expert septic work and Jack Diamond for electrical expertise. Kara Hahn and her staff for taking the time to visit and show interest in our homeless transitional housing development. And at last, but certainly not least, Ron, I'd like to thank you. Ron has been working for years to create local and make local and I'd like to thank you for all your connections and supply chain expertise that you have brought to this project. You were one of the first to see the purpose and utility of the Hunter Shelter and as a real emergency management solution. So thank you for all your time, efforts in making the Shinnecock Homeless Housing tra Transitional Housing Development a success and real help to our homeless and traditional tribal population. Thank you, Ron, I really do appreciate it. And, and thank you, Phil. It, yeah. it really means a lot to me. Yeah, you would say so, that that I was been able to have an impact. And we all work hard. We all want to help. And my biggest my biggest vision is that to help to be to have a successful region, we have to have our people be successful, right? And that's where it all starts. We'll all be successful if we help each other become successful. That's and correct. Spread that word, right? Spread the word because that's the way it should be. It's not, right. what, it's not what we witness in the news cycles. You only as strong as your weakest link. And um, so we help your weakest link. We help us all. And then we just keep moving up from there. Just keep it going. Thank you, Phil. So um, I really appreciate, um, again, uh, Association for Supply Chain Managers for uh, giving us the opportunity to feature this program and tell everybody about the great things they're doing. Um, you know, I'm gonna pass it back to you and Bernina. And, and thank you, ASCM. <laughs> All right, 
Wow, that was a lot of food for thought. There was a lot of information. I want to thank Ron for guest hosting uh, today's episode, and I want to thank Phil for sharing his insights regarding the Shinnecock Indian Housing Development Project Initiative, Create Local, Make Local, as well as everyone who is listening live, or if you decide to download this episode later on via Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or YouTube. Uh, this has been a production of the ASCM New York City Long Island Forum located here on Long Island. I would also like to thank Melissa Freeland for our digital content, Niti Sachtev for video production and social media content, Bernita for event coordination, as well as all of the other ASCM NYC Long Island board of directors who helped to make all these events possible. It's truly a team effort and, and, and just because you're not on a screen does not mean you go unnoticed. So I do want to thank everybody for joining us. If you have questions, we are going to be answering them. So at this time, I think I will hand things over to Bernita.